Hi everyone, my name is Mare Verk and welcome to Life on the Farm. Hi everyone and welcome back to another week at Life on the Farm. I am so excited to be recording today's episode because we will be talking about my ambulatory care rotation. I feel like I haven't had a chance to share with you all what I've been up to over the last, gosh, I guess it's been five full weeks at this point. The Monday that this episode comes out will be the Monday of my last week, so I end that Friday. And this rotation has been incredibly eye-opening. I am interested in acute care, but I think what I took away from ambulatory care is incredibly helpful and definitely necessary. And the fact that it's a core rotation, so one that I didn't have the opportunity to pick myself, but more so it's mandatory and required for graduation, I'm glad that this was the case because I don't think that this is something I would have necessarily sought out. And now having gone through this rotation, I see the value and I think it's important to know how incredibly necessary it is to be well-rounded, especially in this last year of pharmacy school, really just getting experiences that are outside of what I thought I wanted is incredibly helpful and has really just shaped me into being able to better understand what patients go through in a variety of different practice settings. So I've gotten a lot of acute care exposure and I've seen what that's like for patients on the hospital side. But I think this rotation has really helped to illuminate for me what struggles patients face on the outpatient side. And so with sharing with you all this rotation experience, I really just want to walk you through what my day-to-day looks like, what different projects I've had the opportunity to take on, and what are some of the cases that we see come across our desk. And for me personally, I've really enjoyed the direct patient care aspect. I've gotten to talk to patients over the course of a couple of weeks, build relationships, connections with them, and really just help them navigate what can be a really confusing situation. Health insurance is not easy, and for myself as a pharmacy student with my experience as a tech, even now I'm still struggling to understand a lot of what goes on, but I really have to thank my preceptor for taking the time to really guide me through all of these. And I feel like at the end of these six weeks, I really have a much better understanding. And so I really wanted to share with you all, and by the title, a walk with me through ambulatory care and really show you what I've been able to take away as someone who didn't think that this was something she was interested in, but now 100% values all of the different things that I've been able to learn in this particular setting. So without further ado, let's get into it. So I'll go ahead and kick things off by giving a little bit of an introduction into what ambulatory care is. For me going into pharmacy school, I had no idea what it meant for the first couple of months I had heard the term tossed around, but I didn't really know what all that position entailed until a friend of mine got a position in an ambulatory care setting, and then I had my position through my internship in the specialty pharmacy. And it was through these experiences that I was able to get a better understanding, but full disclosure, it wasn't until I was actually in this rotation did I get to see what it meant to truly be an ambulatory ambulatory care pharmacist. And so that's my hope for today is that I'm able to give you some insight into what that looks like. And so just to give you a brief overview as to kind of the two big buckets outside of industry, retail, managed care, there are a bunch of different places you can use a PharmD as we all know. But if we break it down based on the inpatient and the outpatient settings, the way that I look at it is that acute care deals with the inpatient side of things. And so that's in the hospital where patients are in the ED or they're admitted to the floor and they're experiencing an acute sickness or illness that needs to be addressed. 
On the flip side, there's the outpatient setting, and that's where ambulatory care pharmacists work. That's in a smaller clinic away from the main hospital. Patients aren't necessarily acutely ill, but this is the place where they go to see their primary care provider, otherwise known as a PCP. So if you ever want to make an appointment to see your doctor to talk about something, a lot of these patients have chronic disease states. And so those are the ones that I got a lot more exposure to during this rotation, including hyperlipidemia, hypertension, type 2 diabetes. There's also pain. That's not something that I was really familiar with beforehand. We touch upon it briefly in pharmacy school, but there's so much nuance to it. And so really getting to break down some patient-specific cases and get a better understanding about what options they may have in tapering off of them and switching to products such as Belbuca, which is just buprenorphine, or even to the combination product called Suboxone, which is made up of buprenorphine and naloxone. So that was really eye-opening in itself, but patients are able to follow up with their doctor about their chronic disease states in the primary care setting. And for this particular rotation, our clinic was split up into two parts. We had the primary side as well as the specialty side. My pharmacist is the only pharmacist, I guess my preceptor, is the only pharmacist on site. There's no outpatient pharmacy. And so any referrals that the doctors make at that site go to her. And that way she's able to follow up with all of the patients. Pre-COVID, they would come in and have individual appointments with her. But now most of the time it's either via MyChart, which is the messaging system they use, or via the telephone. There's also some video calls, which I can talk a little bit about as well. My pharmacist works Monday through Friday, 8 to 4.30 p.m. And on Wednesdays, we actually worked from home, which was a really interesting experience. I haven't had a rotation, fortunately, that's been heavy in that regard. And so it really helped build my communication skills virtually and at the same time allowed me to show my preceptor that I'm capable of handling my tasks at home by myself and working independently. Not to mention I can make my coffee at home and not risk spilling it all over my car as I've done like a million times on this rotation already. So that's a big plus as well. And so that kind of gives you an idea of what the clinic itself looked like. There were about 10 to 15 providers on both sides, primary and specialty, and they just saw their patients day in and day out. And I guess something to mention that's kind of cool is that this building actually got an upgrade to another building right across the parking lot. Very convenient. And now it's this new clinic that's super bougie, has all the bells and whistles. Everything's clean and shiny and new, as you can imagine. And it's been a really cool transition just being able to see what had been working for a while and seeing what upgrades they had made. Doctors now have their own private offices that have windows and there's just it's just fancier, you know, and I have two monitors now, which is awesome. If you ever have the opportunity to work with multiple screens, I really enjoy it. It gives me an opportunity to see everything in front of me and I'm very much a visual person. So that's really helpful. I have my own desk as I did at the old building and so now I don't have to bring in my laptop either because my desk is much closer to my preceptors. And so to touch upon that a little bit, for this particular rotation I found out early on that bringing my laptop would be probably the most beneficial for myself. In the old building, she and I used to sit pretty far apart. We were in different rooms. And that's just because of spacing for COVID and everything, which is totally understandable. Not to mention she doesn't need to listen to every phone call and we can be working on things at the same time. So that maximizes 
minimizes our efficiency. And so in that case, I realized it'd be way easier when I go to her with my workups and my recommendations to have my laptop with me. And that way I could go through everything I needed to. I didn't have to like log on to her computer. And this was just something I had realized on the first day logistically would work best. Um, but now in this new office, we're actually way closer to one another. And so it's quite easy for me to kind of take a quick note down of the things I want to mention and then just walk over and talk to her about them. So really, it's just about adapting to your environment. I found things that worked for me in one space and that didn't necessarily work in the other space. And so it's constantly just about being on your toes and figuring out what works best for you. So next, I'm going to get into the day to day and kind of give you some insight into how I stayed organized. So I think the best way to talk about what my day-to-day look like, what responsibilities I hold, and what the different tasks I complete are is to give you a better insight into how we get our patients. So like I talked about previously, we are a referral service. So my pharmacist and myself, we sit in our offices and the providers send an electronic referral through the electronic medical record into our staff messages with a quick note as to what they want the patient to see the pharmacist about. And this can vary in a bunch of different ways into different buckets, as I like to call them. And so the first one is medication optimization. So whether it be for their hypertension, their hyperlipidemia, their type 2 diabetes, their pain medication, anything having to do with that, perhaps the patient is not well controlled, perhaps they're having problems getting their A1C down, maybe they're requiring more opioids, but the provider's concerned about increased risk of side effects, maybe their hypertension isn't improving, they're not at goal, or their hyperlipidemia is not controlled with the stat or more often than not, they're experiencing myalgias with statins. So really, whatever it may be, all of those different types of questions get fielded to us. Another bucket has to do with med costs and access. So being in January, we are at the top of the year, and this is where insurance changes for a lot of patients. They may have a deductible they have to meet. All of these different things can take place, and it can be really confusing to have to navigate it. And so doctors tend not to know what to do about it, and pharmacists are quite the experts when it comes to it. I am not, but I am slowly but surely getting a better understanding as I've moved through this rotation. And so now I've been able to have these types of conversations with patients in regard to whether they have commercial insurance or Medicare Part D or whatever it may be, just being able to gather that information and then know the next best steps. And then the other bucket is doing a brown bag. And for those of you who aren't familiar, a brown bag is basically a med rec. And so this is the way for the provider to get a better understanding as to what medications the patient is on. I think this usually comes into play when we have a patient who returns to our health system and the provider isn't exactly sure what meds the patient's taking, which ones are current, at what doses, maybe the patient is taking things in a completely different way. And so we are really good at being able to collect that information from the patient's pharmacy, as well as speak to the patient and really do a deep dive into that information and update their chart. And so whatever the referral may be and the note may be, something that I think is important to keep in mind is that that might not be the only issue you address with the patient. And so while it's important to keep in mind what the provider wants you to talk about, it's also important to keep the line of communication open with your patients and let them explain to you what other issues they may have. 
But at the end of the day, I think something that's really powerful about being in the outpatient space and what we're able to provide as pharmacists is that we are able to approach the patients as completely new to us and work them up from head to toe. So even though a lot of these patients are in our system, they have had their specific therapies, they've met with providers, something that my preceptor has instilled in me is really taking the time to do my own assessment of the patient. And so this basically jumps into my workup of the patients. And I just wanted to mention that briefly. I'll talk about how I go ahead and work them up in a little bit, because I think it's important to note that while you may see the recommendation for the referral, you may see the note and what they want you to talk about, it's important to consider the fact that you can offer a lot more in being able to lay your eyes on this patient's case as the pharmacist and really make some impactful changes. And this has helped me as a learner, and I've seen the benefit it's had on patient's care. But once the referral comes in, ideally we want to go ahead and schedule the patient for an appointment. And so we call Best case scenario, they pick up, we're able to pick a time to meet, and by meet, I mean telephone, call over the phone, some are video. I had one person come in in person, which was very unique. It really felt like I was the doctor. We went in an exam room. I was typing up notes as she was speaking. She had brought her meds. That was a whole complicated situation between optimizing medications, figuring out her insurance, figuring out her preferred pharmacy and all of that. So that was a really unique experience. But for the most part, we want to schedule patients for a telephone encounter. They end up being free during that telephone encounter. We get all the information and all is good in the world. But as you can imagine, it's hard sometimes reaching patients via phone. And so we try to call them to set up an appointment. We try to send them messages via my chart. So the interface that providers use with patients to basically send them messages. And then it just sometimes doesn't work out. And that's okay. Anytime a referral comes in, I work up that patient completely. And that way I'm prepared for any circumstances. And so our scheduled patients take priority as they will be the ones who are awaiting our call and we have a time set aside. But that doesn't mean that we don't follow up with our other patients. I just make sure that I set a reminder for myself. And I think this is part of the organization that's important is that when you're on a rotation, figure out how your preceptor organizes their work because they're the experts. They've been doing this for a while and they can probably give you some insight into how you can go about it as well. There's no point in reinventing the wheel, just working smarter instead of harder, especially when you're thrown into this new scenario, this new workflow, and it's really hard to figure out on the first day. But if you can take some pointers and some tips, it can really help ease the learning curve. And so for our work, I use the scheduled patients to determine who I'm going to work up first. And then from there in the quote unquote downtime, there's really no downtime when you're an Athy student, but in the moments where I'm not in an appointment with a patient, I go ahead and I check my reminders list to see the other patients who we haven't been able to reach. And this is really helpful because the reminders list is a way I am able to set a day and a time for it to pop up as a notification into my queue. It reminds me that I need to check back in with this patient. I'm able to leave a little note for myself, um, but these tend to come again between my scheduled patients. And so when it comes to my day to day, I'm going to explain to you how I go about working up my patients. 
So I've touched upon this briefly actually on the Life on the Farm podcast Instagram. If you're interested in getting some more information, following along, seeing some of the stuff I do on a day-to-day basis as an Appy student, definitely go check it out. But when it comes to working up patients, I again start with my scheduled patients about one to two days in advance. So if we're on a Monday, I'll look at Tuesday and Wednesday and make sure I have all of those patients worked up, ready to go. And when I work up patients, I use a modified SOAP format. The SOAP format, for those of you who are not familiar, it follows the subjective, objective, assessment, and plan format. And basically, it's through all of that information that you're able to come up with your final recommendation. And so I use a modified version of this when I initially work up my patients before we have our appointment. So again, keep in mind that this patient's been referred to us for a specific reason, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to work them up as a whole. Pretend like I don't know any information. I'm going to look at their med list, and I'm going to figure out all the indications. I'm going to look at their problem list and make sure everything is properly addressed. And the way that I go about this is I do a prioritized problem list first. Then under each of the problems, I list the relevant objective data. So whether that be the lab values, the different media, so an x-ray, a chest CT, the impressions from those. After that, I list the medications that pertain to the problem lists. From there, I create an initial assessment. And when you do your initial workup, you'll find that your assessment tends to be more questions than it is answers. And so I use this as an opportunity to figure out what questions I want to ask my patient when I do end up meeting with them, because that's what the purpose of that first initial appointment is, is to fact find. And so I want to make sure that I'm asking the right questions. And so I'll be uploading a bunch of different guides onto the Instagram in order to show you for each disease state what different information I try to find out from my patients. Then from there, I have a bunch of different recommendations that I try to come up with. I think it's important to think of alternatives outside of the best case scenario, just because you never know what the patient will share with you. And a lot of things are dependent on one another. So it really just at the end of the day, when you go into your initial workup, you want to be open to the idea that you might not have a clear picture of what's going on. But that's okay because the most important piece of the puzzle, the patient information you haven't received yet. So I share all of this information with my preceptor. We talk about it. And I think the biggest takeaway from that first part is just making sure I'm asking the right questions and that I'm headed the right direction with my recommendations. After speaking with my preceptor, I go ahead and I start my appointment with my patient. Again, whether it be over the phone, via FaceTime, in person, whatever it may be. And from there, we kind of just get into all of the information. I do a quick med rec with them. I try to do it with every single patient. Actually, I have done it with literally every single patient. That way, that is up to date because that's something that has to get checked off. And then from there, I start to ask open-ended questions. Motivational interviewing is really important. And I remember in pharmacy school, we did this one practice where we try to divert patients who are either really talkative, ones that are really withdrawn, and you never really know what type of personality you're going to get. And for me, that's part of the fun. But I also think it is important to be able to keep patients on track while still allowing them to share with you information that may be necessary. And so I just try to find out as much as possible from the patient as far as what they're thinking. Again, I know what the provider wants out of this appointment. I want to hear what the patient wants out of this appointment. And I want to be able to address all the different things that I came up with in my workup as well. 
At the end of the call, I take all of that subjective data, basically the final piece that I was missing from my initial workup, and I factor it into my assessment and my plan. I now have the full piece of soap. That was a terrible pun, I'm so sorry. And so now that I have the full soap, I'm able to adjust my assessment and I'm able to make a more thorough one and come up with a firm recommendation as to how to move forward. I then go let my preceptor know. Once she signs off on it, I come back, I talk to the patient, and I let them know about all of the different things that we want to do. I try to keep it streamlined. I try to address it by problem, also prioritize problems. So I'll start with their diabetes, then their hyperlipidemia, then their hypertension, whatever may be the most important at that moment. And it could be to continue the regimen. It could be that I'm going to go talk to their provider about this new drug, and they should expect a call back from me at so-and-so time. Or it's going to be, you need to change your diet. I would never say it like that, but like make adjustments to your diet, perhaps follow the DASH diet, decrease your salt intake, increase your exercise frequency, encourage them to make these lifestyle changes at the same time. It's also important to note that you may follow up with the patient. And so making sure you can schedule the next appointment, letting them know they can always reach out to you and things like that. So basically you go back to the patient, give them your recommendation. And then after that, the last piece of the puzzle is following up with the provider. At this current clinic, there isn't a collaborative practice agreement yet. For those of you who don't know, a CPA basically allows the pharmacist to make changes without consulting a provider. And that hasn't happened yet. There's a lot of red tape and whatnot, but I know things are moving in that direction. So for now, any recommendations we may make, so whether it be adding a statin or increasing the dose of a patient's metformin, we run it by the provider and at this institution, we have great working relationships with one another. And so they're more than happy to just go ahead and do so. They completely agree. And I think that's an even greater testament to the power that we hold in really being the drug experts. And so I just follow up with them. And I think the biggest thing at the end of an appointment that I want to touch upon that probably takes the most amount of time, like even outside of my working up of the patient, even talking to the patient, is my note. And personally speaking, I think the note is where I can grow the most. I have the biggest room for improvement by far. For myself, it was really important early on that I was able to shadow my pharmacist and get a better idea of how she goes about writing her notes. But really things change from person to person and from dot phrase to dot phrase. For those of you who aren't familiar, when you do write a note, most places have dot phrases. So you literally type period and then a short little phrase and it will preload something that the institutions deemed as capable of covering all of the important points. So you can basically fill in the blanks and add your own information as you see necessary. And for me, this has definitely taken the longest amount of time to get used to. I still make adjustments. I think with typing out the full soap, I'm still trying to make sure some of my objective doesn't end up in my assessment, that some of my assessment doesn't end up in my plan. And so really, even though I'm going into my sixth week, I feel like this is something I'll continue to work on, hopefully as a resident, as I write more notes, as I continue going through AMCARE experiences. Um, just because in my acute care rotations, I've written short events, but nothing to this length or this in-depth. So again, another great skill that I would have not gotten otherwise. 
And then for all of the other patients that I have to follow up with, I just make sure I check in, give them a quick call, be prepared that it could be a longer call. So making sure I manage my time. If it's 10 minutes to my next patient, I try not to call other people just because you never know if they might be ready to go over things and you don't want to cut the conversation halfway through. And so really it is about managing your tasks, prioritizing the patients that are scheduled, but also making sure that you're being diligent and utilizing your time effectively so you can follow up with those other patients. And so again, you try to do the best you can. You don't always get through to them, but setting reminders and making sure they don't fall off your plate. And really quickly, before we go ahead and wrap things up, I wanted to talk about a few of the other tasks and responsibilities that I have on this rotation outside of working up my patients. And so one of the big ones is answering drug info questions. So whether it be from the patient or from the providers, I get to field all of these questions and do my own research and get back to them with a recommendation. And so the first one that I had ended up encountering had to do with statins causing dementia. And so I had a patient come in, they had talked to their provider, their sister had heard from their provider that there may be a relationship. And so this patient spoke to a doctor in our clinic and the doctor asked us if that was true. He had heard some things about it as well. And so we decided to do some research and by we, I mean me, this is all good. I'm more than happy to learn about something new. I had no idea that this relationship existed beforehand or the belief that this relationship existed. And so I was more than happy to take a look at it. It was my first drug info question as well. And the way I went about it was just looking at the info out there. So I went on Google, looked up PubMed, looked at all the different articles, what were people using as evidence on both sides of the argument. And at the end of the day, what I found was that in the arguments saying that there are is a relationship between statins and cognitive impairment. The evidence is anecdotal. It's based off of retrospective analyses of patient surveys. And so this isn't very strong compared to the evidence stating that there isn't a relationship between the two. On that side, there are randomized control trials showing insignificant evidence that there is a relationship. And so at the end of the day, the FDA's recommendation is that statins should not be withheld due to concern for cognitive impairment rather the benefit outweighs the risk. And so I typed up all of this information, made sure my references were there and left the write-up for the provider. The next drug info question I had actually had to do with the COVID vaccines, which is very cool. And so I had a patient who experienced an anaphylactic reaction to the tetanus vaccine 30 or 40 years ago. And so she wasn't sure if she was able to get the COVID vaccine. She's gotten the flu shot annually. And so I started off by looking up what tetanus vaccines are out there since it wasn't in her file. I cross-referenced the ingredients from the two dosage forms I could find with both the Pfizer and Moderna COVID vaccines. Any ingredients that were overlapping, I was able to rule out with comparing them to the ingredients in the flu vaccines and at the end ended up recommending that the patient would be able to get either vaccine, Pfizer or Moderna, and that they should be monitored for 30 minutes after the vaccine instead of 15 and so again, these are all patient specific. If you have a patient that sounds like any of these, do not take my recommendation because there are other things that can play a big role in your recommendation at the end of the day. But I think these were both really valuable experiences in allowing me to get some exposure to really doing a deep dive into available literature. Another question I got came from a provider. He had a patient who was experiencing night sweats, and so I was able to take a look at her medications. He thought there may be a relationship, 
So I did a deep dive. She had about 15 to 20 meds. I spoke with her son and I was able to find out more information. It looks like these night sweats had started way after these meds had been started. I looked at the adverse events that take place with these medications via Lexicomp and I made note of anything that was remotely close to night sweats and kind of just systematically went through and tried to rule out as much as I possibly could. So that one ended up being an enigma. We were not sure what was happening there. So I know she was having some tests run. The other thing that I got to do is actually write a prior authorization appeal. And so if for those of you who aren't familiar, a prior auth is basically the insurance company's way of guaranteeing that the patient needs the medication. This is normally for really expensive medications and the insurance company doesn't normally want to cover these unless they know that the patient absolutely needs it. So despite the fact that the doctor writes the prescription, sends it to the pharmacy, the pharmacy is trying to fill it, the insurance company will say we need a prior authorization to verify that the patient really needs the drug. So it gets sent back up the ladder, the doctor says yes, they really need it, and then the insurance company ends up rejecting it. And in that case, you want to go ahead and write an appeal. And yours truly has literally never written appeal in entire life. And so I had no idea what I was doing. My preceptor was kind enough to send over some examples, but I was basically just shooting in the dark at that point. And I really just gave it my best effort. I realized it was more about what information we had versus what we didn't to meet their requirements. And so I tried to format it the same as the other letters and kind of just make it flow with the logic as to why the patient needed the drug. For those of you who are interested, the medication is called Praluent and it is a monoclonal antibody. It's a PCSK9 inhibitor used for hyperlipidemia. Its main indication is for heterozygous familial hypercholesteremia. I actually did a journal club on this during my ICU rotation, so it was really cool getting to revisit it. I ended up sending it to my preceptor who ended up submitting it and it looks like it got approved. So the patient will now be able to get this therapy after trying so many statins, after trying to work on her diet and her exercise and just having a family history, she really did need to step up in her therapy. Another thing I've gotten to do on this rotation is help with the COVID vaccine clinic. As I mentioned, we moved to a new building and so we utilized our old building to set up a vaccine clinic for patients over the age of 65. We had 400 patients come in and we had used the Moderna vaccine. And so kind of just some regulations around that is that it needs 15 minutes outside of the fridge before it can be administered. It can last 12 hours outside of the fridge. It can last six hours in a punctured vial and it can last one hour in a syringe. And so I got to help with the timing all of this. My preceptor and I went through at the end, near the end of the day and made sure we were counting every single dose. And it worked out really perfectly as we got to the end we used every single dose with the exact number of patients and it was a really great experience getting to help out with that and for those of you who are curious it's half a milliliter and there are 10 doses per vial and I think something I want to mention here is that I was able to help out with counseling which is fantastic my preceptor had stepped away for a small moment and they had actually asked for a pharmacist and so I went to answer a question and whether or not I knew the answer it didn't really matter so much as I could take questions to my preceptor if I didn't know it and so I was able to speak with the patient they stated that their husband was going to get the shot the next day, but she was concerned about side effects. And so she was wondering if she could delay her dose by one day. And so I had read the manual that was there beforehand. And so I saw that there was a one day buffer. 
I let her know that she could and I really wanted to close the loop on this just in case because I was thinking further down the line she'd have to schedule her next appointment. She may run into some issues trying to schedule it 29 days out instead of the 28 days for Moderna. So I let the MA in the observation room know that way she wouldn't run into any problems. So again, just trying to step up wherever you can. I ran it by my preceptor one more time before going ahead and like letting her know and doing all of these different things because I do want to be 100% sure. But again, it's about taking initiative. The next thing that we do during this rotation are weekly case conferences. So I have myself and one other classmate in addition to two other pharmacy students from other pharmacy schools. We get on WebEx once or twice a week to talk about patient cases. It's led by an ambulatory care resident or by a pharmacist. And we work up the cases before the conference. Then we go over them and we just kind of get to talk more in depth about each of the different questions and the medications. And then last but not least, I have my final presentation. This will take place on the day that this episode comes out. I will be doing a review of the available inhaler formulations. A project that I self-started at the beginning of this rotation was creating an eligibility profile for the different inhalers. I was finding that we were using this a lot. It was We were utilizing rxassist.org, but instead of having to go in and look up every single inhaler at each time we needed it, I thought I'd go ahead and create an Excel file that included links to the manufacturer sites that laid out all of the eligibility requirements in addition to the different available drugs in each class so that you could find a way to switch. And so building off of that project early on, I decided to upgrade it to include the dosing for asthma and COPD and make that a part of my final presentation so that pharmacists are able to refer back to this presentation as a directory for all of the different inhaler formulations, whether they be metered dose inhalers, dry powdered inhalers, nebulizers, and then be able to understand what options are out there for patients in regard to switching between inhalers because you never know which ones will and which ones will not be covered. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up today's episode. I want to say thank you so much to all of you who took the time to listen, to listen to any of the episodes, really. I hope you were able to get a better insight into what it means to be in the ambulatory care setting, what it means to be an appy student on this rotation, what our scope of practice is, and all of the different ways that we're able to offer assistance to our patients. There are so many issues that can arise. You really never know what's going to get thrown at you. Like I've made the point before, the provider may have one thing they want you to address, the patient may have another thing, and at the end of the day, you also have your own workup. So being able to tie all of these things together to manage your time, to prioritize your patients, to stay diligent, and to make sure that you're using your time efficiently is of the utmost importance. And so with that, if you ever have any questions or comments, or if you want to see what I try to gather as information from my patients, check out the Life on the Farm podcast Instagram. If you could go ahead and follow on Spotify and rate on Apple Podcasts, it would mean the world to me. But until we talk again, I hope you and your loved ones are staying safe and healthy, and I will talk to you all soon. Bye.